morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru. And today we are talking about puppies, all things puppies. I know a lot of people got puppies for the holidays or they might have plans for the new year to get a new dog. And so let me just tell you, I am in the same boat as you are. I finally found a great breeder who I really like and I have reserved a puppy which happens to be a Newfoundland and I'm very excited about that. Few announcements as some of you may know or may remember I had a goal of getting 10,000 downloads by the end of the year and 500 subscribers. We are now at 640 subscribers and 17,000 downloads so thank you everybody who's listening and downloading and sharing us. For me, this is a really humbling experience and a massive response I'd never expected. I have to be honest, when I picked up this whole podcasting process and I really didn't have expectations, but I knew what my goals were. And in a very short amount of time, it's grown tremendously. You may have heard in earlier episodes, we are joining Blazing Caribou Studios and you can find the information in the show notes about that. I have some big goals in the coming new year for the show, but there's lots of things that I want to refine and improve. So with that in mind, I'm going to be recording once a week, spending more time with editing and making this the best possible product I can for the listener to help everybody who actually follows us and cares about this and enjoys listening to it. Anyway, let's get right into it. This episode, like I mentioned earlier, is going to be all about puppies, puppy expectations, where to get a puppy, what to look for in a breeder, what could be red flags in a breeder, those sorts of things, and what you should be prepared for when the puppy comes home, which you may be experiencing right now. I'll be honest and start off by saying there's a million different ways that you can come across a dog you can adopt. You can find them on the side of the road. You can go with a breeder. But, you know, I've worked in rescue, I've rescued myself, so there are lots of options. I've definitely fostered dogs that just showed up at my house over the years. So, you know, it really depends on, first of all, how you came across this dog. But let's say you're trying to find a breeder and you're not really sure what you need to avoid or what you need to look for. So let's talk about what you need to look for. First of all... I think a breeder should be really approachable. I think they should be easy to communicate with. I feel like they should be willing to answer all of your questions. I feel like you shouldn't be obsessively contacting them if you're getting a puppy from them, but you should certainly feel like there's an open line of communication and that you didn't just pay some money and the communication ended or perhaps you felt like they were circling around questions that you were asking. Um, One thing that I prefer when I'm going with a breeder is that the dog is AKC registered. Now, there are extenuating reasons for why I might consider going outside of that. In this case, I'm not personally. But say you're going with a breeder. I feel like an AKC registered puppy is a good sign. But that in and of itself is not enough. Lots of people, backyard breeders included, um, can get their dogs registered with the AKC. And a lot of people who are green to going with a breeder wouldn't have known that. And the other thing is that you want a breeder that's okay with you going to visit the property or picking up the puppy at the property where you can meet the parents. Now, in certain breeds, in certain situations, it'll be one parent or the other, but there certainly should be a parent available. Um, 
ideally both parents, but certain breeders use sires from across the world or the country, so that may not necessarily be on the table. All that said, you want to check things like, have the parents been tested for genetic health issues for that breed? Have they done any health testing whatsoever? What are the most recent records on the dogs? You know, do they, is this the first litter? How old is the dog? If it's a large breed, have they gotten hips, elbows, eyes, all sorts of things checked out by the OFA? I will qualify that by saying, if you are looking within certain breeds, it's pretty standard procedure. I know with French Bulldogs, it's very common to do OFA testing. So keep all of that in mind. The other thing you wanna do is you want to make sure that your breeder is willing to provide references, that they can give you copies of the information that they're giving you via telephone or text. Because if you can't get visible copies, you know, talk is cheap. I hate to say that, but it really is cheap. Things that I would like in a breeder, if they do respond in, in a timely fashion. Now, right now, the breeder I'm looking at is going through the holidays and she's still been kind enough to answer my questions and get back with me. I feel that transparency and honesty are very important. To me, there are lots of red flags and there are some that are specific to different breeds, but I'll give you some examples. One thing that I would be concerned with is if they're like, oh, well, no, I haven't done any health testing, but the parents are healthy. Well, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. You know, if you're, if you're going through the expense and the process of going with a breeder, you don't want to contribute to what could have been a bad breeding. And honestly, you know, this testing compared to the process of raising puppies and everything is small potatoes if you have a really reputable breeder. You know, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it certainly isn't the most expensive thing they have to do for puppies or in a breeding process either. A friend of mine who breeds French Bulldogs, I asked her what she would consider a red flag, not only as a breeder, but as a buyer. And she said, well, you know, if they don't allow you to set up shipping yourself and they insist on shipping the dog themselves or only doing money orders or they're not getting back with you or they're calling from different numbers, those are all red flags. She said they should be willing to provide video of the dog, but do it live like FaceTime, things like that, because video can be reproduced or copied or downloaded. But she said, you know, if you can actually get them on Skype or on Facebook Messenger for video. Not only can you see the puppy, but you can kind of check out where they are and at least that you, you, you'll have confirmation the puppy does in fact exist and this is a live feed between you and somebody else. I personally, it's outside of my comfort zone to get a dog internationally. I'm just not really familiar with that process. I feel like that's a huge risk. That said, lots of people do it. I mean, I know a lot of people do it. I would only do that if I knew somebody had a really good reputation. In this case, I feel really comfortable with this breeder, like I mentioned earlier. And when you're looking for red flags, I would wonder if they didn't ask questions about you and the environment the dog was going to be in because a good breeder really is invested in the breed itself and they want to make sure it's going to a good home, a permanent home, and they want to make sure it's a safe home for it to go to. They may ask specific questions uh, regarding the individual breed. The potential owner is considering some of them have puppy applications, but you know, each breeder is a little different. I feel like there is no cookie cutter perfect 
breeder. I've run into excellent ones, but I, I can tell you that as far as standards go, I really don't waver when it comes to AKC registered. I typically try and go and see the dog on site with the parents, and I try and make sure all the health testing has been done on the parents and that the puppies are going to receive the medical care from a licensed veterinarian that they need before they come here. I also like breeders who do integrative therapies and things that prepare the dog and desensitize the dog at a really young age because while I'm not there, those are things that I would ideally be doing, so that's great. My last piece of advice when it comes to selecting a breeder offhand is definitely don't go in the direction of somebody that you get any sort of weird feelings about. If you can't get references, if you get a lot of talk but not a lot of follow through, if it feels like there's dead air and you can't get in touch with them when you ask a question, those are, to me, those would be turnoffs. I wouldn't necessarily say in every case that's a bad sign. People have lives outside of breeding a lot of the time. You know, some breeders are not hobby breeders, but you don't want an overblown facility or a puppy mill and unknowingly be contributing to that process. So do your homework, make sure you've contacted your breed club, Make sure to read all the fine print, and when you finally settle on a puppy, that brings you to stage two, which is, okay, puppy comes home. Now what? So realistically, you've just hand, handed your life over <laughs> to a small fluff ball, and I'm glad you think they're adorable because they're about to be taking up a big portion of your life. It is much like having a child, a tiny little infant that needs constant supervision, and you have to be not only consistent with them, but you have to be kind, you have to make sure that you're sending the right messages. And there are three things that I always focus on with young puppies. So the first thing is getting them on a potty training schedule. So this way, not only is there consistency there, but really early I'm utilizing that imprint period for good rather than bad. You know, I don't want them to build a history of accidents while I expect accidents to occur and anyone should. I mean, there are the miracle dogs that have like two accidents and that's it. But generally speaking, yes, you'll expect accidents, but by developing and monitor, developing a schedule and monitoring your dog, you shouldn't run into as many potty training issues. Uh, some people do it with a pen. Some people do it with a crate. Some people don't do it with either of those. I think for me, crate training is an excellent tool. It's a transitional tool. It keeps the dog safe. It's more than just a potty training tool though. It helps the dog learn how to calm down. It helps the dog learn the feeling of holding it. And also it prevents them from getting into things when you are out of sight or out of the house and for whatever reason you can't bring the dog with you. You don't want them chewing on furniture or molding or cords and ingesting all of those things because by the time you get home, the dog could be really injured or sick or worse. If you decide to go with a crate, you wanna make sure that it's one that comes with a divider because more than likely the size your dog is right now is not the size he will be in six months or even you know <laughs> eight weeks from now. So they grow really rapidly and different sized dogs grow at different rates. But generally speaking, you can assume that they will be growing in size and stature. So be reasonable, get something with a divider that you can grow and expand with the dog size because as they grow which will seem ridiculously fast you don't have to be trading up between sized crates and you don't want to get too big of a crate to start off 
because in all honesty, the dog is going to eliminate on one side and sleep on the other, and that's not great. You don't want that process started because once they start going to the bathroom where they sleep, it's a disaster and it's very hard to change. And it adds to all sorts of potty training problems down the road. So keep all of those things in mind. Next tip is slow and steady wins the race. In all honesty, this is going to be a long process. A lot of people think that their dog is going to be, say, house trained fully in four weeks or less in some cases. Realistically, it depends on the dog. There are some dogs that get it in as little as two weeks. There are some dogs that are fully house broken by the age of, you know, four months. There, it varies, but I've had dogs that take as long as a couple years, you know? It depends on the individual dog. It depends on how motivated they are. It all, it largely depends on you though. Do you have a schedule? Are you consistent? Um, you know, when it comes to intelligence of a puppy, that's great to have, but if your dog is so smart that it figures out how to get out of its crate, not as great. Um, that can be a really draining process. So generally speaking though, you wanna do, when it comes to training, when it comes to exposure, when it comes to anything new, expose them to a little bit of everything, but do it in small segments of time, no longer than like 10 minutes. Sometimes uh, no more than three minutes, depending on how stressful it could be. And you wanna do a lot of exposure exercises you can do it right in ho at home. It can be the sound of the blender, the vacuum cleaner. It can be you moving things around the house. It can be a loud TV. There are so many things that can trigger a dog to act out or get nervous. So the more exposure they have and the earlier they have it, the easier going they're going to be. Now, exposure alone is actually not the only key to that process, though. You have to be there with them to coach them through it. So if they're stressed, you could just guide them back. You don't talk to them and necessarily go, oh, it's okay when they're stressed. You don't want to do that. But you do want to promote them in a good state of mind. So when you see them kind of getting more comfortable, oh, good dog, you know, any efforts in the right direction, you want to shape because they'll become more relaxed with time and consistency, which you'll hear me say so many times, especially with puppies. In truth, consistency is what makes the difference between a puppy being generally a lot easier or a complete terrorist at home. So if you kind of let them away with murder, you're going to have an awful situation. If you have no structure, if they know they can get away with things and they can kind of run the house, that's not a great dynamic, no matter what size the dog is. And I can promise you it's gonna cause problems not only outside of the home and down the road, but sometimes within your home too. As far as what tools I utilize, I often got the question, okay, so what about potty pads? And this is what I'll say. I used to tell clients, if you can see yourself anytime in the future having a desire for your dog to potty outside, then start that process and build it now, when it's easier. Not to be confused with saying it's easy, but you know, it's, it's easier when they're younger. So what would I say? Don't use puppy pads if you can avoid it. If at any point you wanna live in a different sort of environment, you've taught your dog to relieve himself in the house. And to me, that's counterintuitive to what you may want him to think down the road. Say when you're out of the apartment high rise. For me, this is the context that comes to mind when I think reasons you couldn't easily just take your dog out. But anyway, if he doesn't go solely on the pad every single time, number one, and number two, then frankly, he's just going there periodically, which to me defeats the purpose of the pad in the per first place. I mean, if they're really fully potty pad trained, they would go there and only there, wherever it was. I mean, it didn't have to be a specific 
place in the room necessarily, but only on those potty pads. And in my entire career, I have yet to find a dog that has never had what's referred to as an accident when there were potty pads involved. Let's talk about family involvement. So I, this used to be one of my favorite parts of my job because when I was doing consults, I would go to people's homes, I would tell them and encourage them to have their family members handy and ready for me to talk to so that I could ask everybody what it was like to live with the dog because you know everybody could have a different opinion. I always wanted to go over goals because a teenager's goal or a child's goal to be around the dog versus you know one of the parents or the man of the house they might all have different expectations of what this dog needs to be doing and how they need to be behaving and it could be with a puppy they could be starting fresh but with an older dog you know there could be well-established poor behavior that they're trying to change and they don't know where to start well the first thing i would tell them during a consult is everybody needs to be on board and on the same page and if your whole family isn't on board with the training that you're about to start then they need to be and if, if you might have, and it might be a situation, and I know this is quite an expense, or it can be anyway, to have a trainer come out and sit down with your family and be really honest with them and be like, hey, this is a whole family process. The whole family is getting this dog. It can't be one person in installing and enforcing all of this training and catering to the dog. It needs to be all in for everyone. If you feel like you're the only one training the puppy, call in in home trainer and be sure your family is sitting in front and center for the class because sometimes hearing it from a professional will encourage them to be good stewards of the behavior and the behavior of the dog, especially if they're paying for it. And you can get professional guidance based on wherever you are in this process. But assuming you have a puppy and you're starting from scratch, go ahead and get your routine down, like I mentioned, the other thing you want to make sure you're establishing is that everybody in the house is doing the same thing. Otherwise, the puppy can get really confused. And then the other thing you need to be up on is keeping vaccines in time and current so that the puppy is protected. So that's the second thing. The third thing you need to be doing really early on with a puppy is starting a small set of behaviors. And you could start this as early as 10 weeks. As soon as they're mobile and they're engaging, encouraging them to come towards you when you say their name and start early. I mean, they pick up on their name really, really quickly. So I do that. I also do exercises where I get their eye contact. So I'm really encouraging them to key into me. Getting a simple sit going is a great skill because it can help during meal times. It can help when you're in the car. It's such a versatile cue. S starting a sit very early is very easy to teach. A lot of breeders even teach their puppies to do this now. Um, but if not, go ahead and enjoy the exercise with your puppy. It's, it's fun to teach them things. So enjoy that process, but start it early because they are like baby furry sponges right now. A couple of puppy tips. You can always get baby wipes and wipe off the pads of their feet when they've been in any public areas. As they're going through their vaccine periods, I don't recommend you taking them to public places, certainly not pet stores or areas where they would be more vulnerable like a dog park. Be sure when you're bringing home a new puppy and especially if the dog is being shipped or is going through a long period of travel, then you want to be really warm and available for the puppy because that's 
it can be traumatic. So make sure that you have some time off or it's a long weekend that you're gonna have to spend with the dog before you have to go back to work. The more time you have to help the dog, really the puppy, get acclimated to the environment and you and what's now completely stunning for them because all their litter mates are gone and mom is gone and they've just been through traveling, whether it was in your car or on a plane, all of that is a lot to take in for them. So you have to not look at the dog that comes when you first get it. You need to look at the dog that they become in the next couple of months because that's when that it can take that long, not only for them to develop their personality types, but to really get comfortable and used to what's going on and what's expected and those sorts of things. Keep your breeder's phone number handy just in case you have questions or you can send them to me. When it comes to breed specific questions, if you are going with a reputable breeder, they're going to have tons of answers for you. They're gonna be able to back things up. They're gonna point you to different resources. And if they don't know, they're not going to deceive you. Diet is super important, so make sure that you have on hand what your breeder is already feeding so that when the puppy comes home, there's not a huge shock to their system on top of the stress that they're going through because their potty schedule could be different and you don't want to be changing food on top of everything else that's different for them right now. And if you can, send a, a blanket to the breeder to put around mom and the litter mates so it smells like them when they travel. Some breeders provide this, but you can always send a blanket for them on your behalf for your puppy. So this way, as they come to the new home, there's something familiar from the past that they can link and it'll help keep them calmer. Even just in transit, that can be really soothing. This seems like a somewhat obvious one, but make sure you have the time to bond with your puppy. They're very emotional and leaving them for 10 hours a day is not super fair to them at all. It's not, a, it's not fair to an adult dog, but puppies crave attention and going from litter mates and people who are super hands-on to nothing, it can be a huge shock and it can cause them to feel depressed, for them to not want to eat as much, for them to even get sick in some cases. So avoid loneliness, make sure that they have some source of attention and if you absolutely can't be in the room, a radio can serve really well to make them feel like there's a presence in the room. If you are a new puppy parent, congratulations. I'm super excited for you. Puppies are great. It's a process, but it's so enjoyable. They definitely make it easier on us because they're adorable. So enjoy it while it lasts because they get big fast. If you have any questions, you can send me an email at dogguruhereforyou at gmail.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash podcast. You already know this, but we're on Twitter and Instagram, all your favorite podcast apps, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere that you can find us, and obviously on Podbean, and proudly a part of the Blazing Caribou Studios. If you're curious about what my puppy is going to look like, you can check him out on the facebook.com slash podcast or the Instagram he's on there. Very excited to meet him at the very end of January. He's five weeks old right now, and I have not named him yet. I hope that everybody had a happy and healthy holiday. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, share us with your friends, families, dog groups, 
dog friends, anybody who likes a dog or has a new puppy, please send them this link. I definitely would love to help them out if they have specific questions. If you love the show, be sure to rate us on iTunes. I always include steps on how to do this in the show notes. And it is the holiday season, so if you would like to donate to us, there is a button on the right-hand side of our Podbean page, but there's also one in the show notes. So you can click the link there and you can send us a buck, two bucks, cup of coffee, cost of a new bone for my dog, whatever you want. If you don't donate, that's totally cool. Continue subscribing, listening, downloading. I appreciate it all. I am prepping for another episode of Coffee and Canines. If you have a new puppy and you have questions or an older dog and you have questions about him, please send me a message. I would love to help. Dogguru here for you at gmail.com. In the meantime, go get some puppy snuggles and enjoy this phase because it is fleeting and super fast and it's so enjoyable. Everybody loves puppy breath. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste.